Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. Cut It Straight is a podcast helping you pursue excellence in your preaching and ministry. In this episode, we're going to continue our series, The Disciplines of the Man of God, as we look at the discipline of prayer. I hope you enjoy Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast, episode 25. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. In our last episode, we began a new series entitled The Disciplines of the Man of God. In this episode, I want us to focus on the discipline of prayer. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter number 2, verse number 1 and verse number 8. Paul writes, First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Verse number 8, I desire then that in every place that men should pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or quarreling. So we're going to look at the discipline of prayer. And this is an important discipline for the man of God. This is a very important discipline uh, for you as a preacher. Leonard Ravenhill, who has written a lot of great books on prayer that I highly recommend, he said this, quote, no man is greater than his prayer life, end quote. Prayer is our communication with God. It is here in prayer that we have fellowship with the divine. It is us going from the physical into the spiritual realm. And prayer, I know, is a very difficult discipline to consistently maintain. But it is important to understand that if we are going to be men and women of the Spirit, We must be people of prayer. I think most avoid prayer because we just don't know what to say. We have to make the effort, however, to build a relationship with God by speaking to Him. To use the analogy of marriage, when I got married on my wonderful wedding day, my relationship with my wife uh, didn't become all that it could be that moment, but it is built and it grows and it matures day by day. But if I don't spend time with her, if I don't speak to her, converse with her, then our relationship is going to suffer. Likewise, when we are born again, we're not, we don't become all that we can be in God at that moment of conversion. That's just, the, that's just the wedding day. That's just the entrance. But spending time with God in prayer is where we mature, where we grow spiritually. And you couple that with uh, so the scriptures, spending time in the Word of God and meditating upon the Bible, that will make you a great man of God. It will grow your relationship with God. And the fruitfulness of ministry grows out of a fruitful relationship with Jesus Christ in prayer and in the Word. Now, we must understand that we become the house of prayer when we are born again. Matthew 21 and 13, it says, Jesus says, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer. When Jesus enters into the temple in Jerusalem, he walked into this sacred edifice and he witnessed God's people buying and selling their sacrifices. They're turning the house of God into a den of thieves. 
Jesus said the temple was created to be a house of prayer, and they were robbing gods of its intended purpose. And his anger towards them, he began to cleanse the house by casting out everything that was defiling the temple. When you and I are saved, when we're born again, we become the temple of the Holy Ghost. Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. We are a new temple, and now we have new focus. We have new affections, and we must remove the distractions. We must remove the hindrances that would rob our temple of its intended use. We are going to be people of prayer, and we have to remove the distractions. We have to get the hindrances out. We have to uh, we have to set aside every weight that would hinder us from running this race uh, successfully. And so we have to learn to get those things out. And the Spirit works in us to get those things out. He makes us more like Him. And that is what prayer and consecration does. Prayer has great impact on consecration. Consecration, in its simplest definition, is to be separate, to be set apart. And so consecration is our devotedness to Christ, our being separate unto Him. This type of devotion can only come from a life seeking after God. When we pray, we are not just merely asking God to meet certain, certain needs. And sometimes we think that prayer, all that prayer is is just simply bombarding heaven with our needs and requests. But instead, prayer is a place of communion where we begin to devote ourselves and commit ourselves to God. And through this discipline of prayer, we, we grow a more consistent, dedicated uh, lifestyle towards Him. Our focus, our, our, our needs, we have to have Him, we have to pursue after Him. And prayer brings that and cultivates that in our life. E.M. Bounds, who also has wrote lots of great, great books on prayer, he says this, Prayer leads up to and governs consecration. Prayer is a dominant discipline in the godly life. It doesn't take backseat to anything else. If we're going to read the Bibles, we need to read the Bible with a prayerful spirit. If we're going to be people that, that, that fast, uh, it must be, it must be uh, coupled with prayer. And we'll talk more about fasting in our next episode. But to be separate unto the Lord, we must give our lives to prayer because prayer precedes any consecration in the man of God's life. In order to know Christ and to be like Him, we must train ourselves to pray. Furthermore, non-praying people cannot be consecrated people. Consecration and prayerlessness work contrary to each other. One seeks to draw us closer to the Lord, and the other will keep us from Him. Simply stated, no man is greater than his prayer life, to requote Leonard Ravenhill. On the other hand, praying simply to get prayers answered leads to shallow Christians. If a person only prays to get his prayers answered, he or she will soon get frustrated and stop praying altogether if God chooses not to answer those specific prayers. Consequently, this person will eventually quit following Christ, and even though he may still come to church, this behavior is not true discipleship. A true disciple prays and knows Christ. A person wanting to simply know him won't worry about prayers being answered. They know they are so enamored with Christ that He is the answer to all their prayers, all their needs. But 
we have this will. We have this flesh. This temple is made of flesh and blood. It's made up of emotions. It's made up of needs. And there's a war of our wills. Jesus says in Matthew 26 and 41, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Peter, James, and John were chosen by Jesus to go into the Garden of Gethsemane the night of his betrayal. Jesus had taken these three great men to go and pray with him. These three future apostles were to watch and pray, but instead they slept and snored. Here is the cream of the crop of the disciples. Jesus had taken Peter, James, and John to the mountain where he was transfigured before them. They heard a voice from heaven and had seen Moses and Elijah appear before their very eyes. It was the same three disciples that Jesus chose to take with him to the house of a young girl who was deceased, whom Jesus would resurrect. Jesus took Peter, James, and John over all the other disciples for these three events. Two of those events were miraculous in nature, even spectacular. But the third and final event here in the Garden of Gethsemane, all he wanted them to do was pray. We can assume, given the otherworldly exploits Christ had taken them on, they probably expected more of the same. Instead of taking Peter, James, and John to another mountain or to another resurrection, he took them to a prayer room. No bright white transfiguration, no audible voice from heaven, no Red Sea parting Moses, no Elijah calling down fire to the earth, no little girls being raised from the dead. Jesus took them to a boring prayer meeting. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and said unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus takes these three and he takes us to watch and pray. He doesn't want them to fall into temptation. He doesn't want them to fall into what he is about to fall into, which is betrayal. But when he returns from praying, he finds these three asleep. I can tell you that prayer oftentimes is not supernatural. I don't see any angels. I don't hear an audible voice from heaven. Sometimes prayer is very mundane. And so it gets very difficult for us to pray consistently. We want to pray. We desire to pray. We know the results that prayer can bring. But man, it sure is hard. And so we find ourselves tripping over our own feet, trying to pray. We don't have the words to say. We're not having some type of spirit, supernatural experience. So what's the point? And we're to do it privately, get into our prayer closet. And so if no one knows or no one sees us go to prayer, then who's to know that we didn't pray that day? And so it finds, we find ourselves in a battle between our flesh and our spirit. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is very weak. It's not that I don't want to pray. It's that my flesh doesn't want to pray. My inner spirit man desires prayer and time spent with fellowship in fellowship with God. But my flesh wants to graze through the fields of social media. My spirit wants to get up early in the morning to talk and communicate with my soul's redeemer. 
but this old flesh wants to hit the snooze button three more times, just like everyone else. I have a constant war waging between my flesh and spirit when it comes to praying. Thankfully, Peter, James, and John's experience shows us that we are in great company when it comes to praying. Like us, they didn't possess superpowers that gave them a supernatural ability to pray. Doesn't their example give us license to, sh to shortchange our own prayer lives? Absolutely not. Their experience should give us hope that although they failed to pray as Jesus asked, he did not condemn them for their unsatisfactory prayer meeting. He saw their weakness and still used them mightily in his kingdom. So prayer helps us to overcome temptation, so, he, so Jesus says, so you enter not into temptation. Snoozing disciples don't make supernatural apostles, so we think. Sometimes we forget, sometimes we miss it, sometimes we fail. But the point is to be consistent in prayer because temptation will come, weakness will come, seduction will come. When I was in school, I was a horrible test taker. I panicked under the pressure of passing exams. Granted, it didn't help me that uh, my preparation time was uh, less than mediocre. But in the same manner, we will fail the spiritual tests and trials and temptations in our spiritual lives when we fail to prepare ourselves in our prayer rooms. The fortunate aspect about school was that I knew when to expect a test or exam. However, we don't know when the devil will strike and we don't know when trials will come. But if you are consistently praying, you won't enter into temptation. You won't fail when trials come. Likewise, our prayer leads to holiness. It leads us to sanctification. It helps us in our endeavor to pursue holiness. The Apostle Paul reminds us that without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Just as important, the Apostle Peter teaches us that God is holy and we are to be holy. There's no way to be holy without prayer. But praying consistently will result in a believer's holiness. As we pray, the Spirit begins to work within our hearts, leading to conviction and repentance of sin. God uses prayer to deal with us intimately on a personal level. So we must spend time with Him in prayer. Author and theologian J.I. Packer compares sin to weeds, an invasive plant that is considered very problematic in any type of flower bed. I know, listen, I am not a green thumb. I have a black thumb because I cannot, I cannot keep plants alive and uh, I'm just not very good at yard work. But the one thing I can't stand are weeds. When I see weeds in the flower bed, I just either spray them with a weed killer or pull them up. I just can't stand. They're unsightly. Well, that's how sin is. Sin is constantly expressing itself in a new disorderly desires. And so this weed is constantly expressing itself in fresh shoots and fresh blooms. But once a weed establishes itself in your garden, it's difficult to get out. That's why we need prayer. Prayer helps us break the root of sin. It helps us to begin to recognize when the weed of sin is beginning to sprout. 
Jesus will help us through prayer to kill sin. The heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. And here is where prayer will help us begin to break down where sin would try to kill us. We are in our war with our sinful heart every day. Sin creeps in like a weed. And if we allow it to grow unchallenged, it will ruin the garden of holiness that God is trying to cultivate in our lives as men of God. If we pray like King David and ask God to create in us a clean heart, our praying will help us fight sin and prevent it from taking root in our lives. Now, we fight sin with prayer, but we must pray consistently. But how do we grow in consistent prayer. I have found that if I'm going to be disciplined in prayer, I'm going to have to schedule prayer in my day. Scheduling prayer is the first step in being disciplined in praying. A believer has to set time and a place so he can stick to the schedule, whether it's early morning before uh, the man of God goes to work or late at night after the kids are in bed. You have to find time and schedule it, designate it, and be consistent with it. Once I start making time for prayer every day, it becomes a habit. Now, I don't worry about how long I pray or how short I might pray. I'm concerned more with being faithful to prayer. Many people worry more about the length of prayer than they do the consistency of prayer. I believe we should spend quality time in prayer uh, and, and without rushing through it, but we are consistently getting into his presence. We are consistently uh, talking and communing with him. And as the more you do that, the more the hunger of prayer will, 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 will consume you and you won't care how long you're in prayer for. You'll just want to be there. You'll just want to spend time with him. I want to give you five steps for focused prayer. I was taught this many years ago from some friends of mine and uh, it, has, it has proved fruitful over the years uh, to build a consistent prayer life. Because for those who uh, don't know how to pray, <clears throat> or they feel like they don't, they're not adequate to pray, or they don't know what to say during prayer, uh, here's five steps to give you uh, focused time in prayer. Number one, praise and thanksgiving. Psalm 104 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. So number one, I start off with praise and thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for your grace to help me uh, to have another day. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my, uh, my family. Thank you for my home. Thank you for clothes on my back, shoes on my feet. Thank you for food on my table. Thank you for blessing our finances. Thank you for good health in our body. Thank you for my church. This is what I do first. And once you start there, it just starts to grow. Thank him for all the things he's done for you. Thank you for salvation, Lord. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood that you shed for me. Thank you for the resurrection now that I have new life. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the revelation of who you are, the mighty God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for the revelation of being born again of the water and of the Spirit. You start there and it just starts to grow and grow and grow. So number one, I start with thanksgiving and praise. I thank him for what he has done. Number two, worship. That leads right into, Lord, I worship you. Lord, I love you. Lord, there's none like you in the heavens or in the earth. There's none beside you. There's none before you. There's none coming after you. You're the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the ending. And I go through, you're lovely, you're wonderful, you're marvelous. And I, 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 I'm loving on him. I'm focusing on him. 
Uh, and so that's what worship is. I've went from thanking him for what he's done. Now I am spending time on who he is. He's the almighty God. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's loving. He's graceful. And so I'm worshiping. As you can see, this starts to grow from there. It just builds and builds and builds. Well, when Isaiah... Uh, seeing the Lord high and lifted up in Isaiah chapter number 6. What happened? He said, woe is me. So number three. Number one is praise and, and thanksgiving. Number two is worship. Number three is repentance. Uh, I usually will try to read or I, I will try to quote Psalm 51. Spend time in repentance. When Isaiah seen the Lord high and lifted up, it, he seen how small he was. He, he realized how dirty and unclean he is. Well, the Lord washed him. He, he cleansed him at that moment. And so we ask him to forgive us. Once I see who he is, how holy he is, how, how wonderful and godly he is, I see how wretched I am. And I say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my, of my carnality. Forgive me of things I've said. Forgive me of things I've done. And I go through repentance, and I'll, I'll quote portions of Psalm 51, of, uh, which is a lovely prayer of repentance. So number one, praise and thanksgiving. Number two, uh, worship. Step number three, repentance. Uh, number four, supplication and intercession. We read it earlier. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. So here's where I start to pray for needs. I've went through praise. I've went through worship and repentance. Now I'm starting to pray for others' needs. I start praying for people in the church. I start praying for families in my church. You know, you get asked prayer requests throughout the week, text messages, people stopping you on Sundays and Wednesdays. Pray for this. So I try to pray for those needs. I start going through families, peoples uh, in our church to pray for. Uh, pray for departments in our church. Pray for ministries in our church. Pray for our school. Pray for my family, my little girl. I'm going through and praying for all the different needs. I'm praying for others. Uh, I'm praying for our missionaries, praying for churches, praying for revival. Uh, whatever it could be, I'm praying for others. I'm, I'm interceding on the behalf of others. Now, I put others' needs first before I put my own. I usually pray for my self last. Someone taught me that many years ago. If you'll put others' needs first and yours last in prayer, God will put your needs first. And so I try to put others' needs first uh, when I'm praying. And I'll write these things down. I keep a little journal with me sometimes. I use some apps to write things down, type them up uh, if I can remember them and pray with them. Uh, and I can see maybe uh, a, a prayer that's been answered and I can mark it off. Uh, so keep a journal if you want to do that. <clears throat> and so number four, you're praying for others, supplication, intercession. So number one, praise. Number two, worship. Step number three, repentance. Number four, uh, supplication, praying for others. Then number five, meditation. Here's where I'll get the scriptures out, uh, get my Bible out, and read and meditate. Uh, David says in, in Psalm number one, verse number two, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law, he meditates day and night. We talked about this in our last lesson. Well, here's where I'm <clears throat> not emptying my mind, but I'm filling my mind with God's word. I'm meditating upon it. And here I can feel direction from the Lord for a need uh, for someone. He can speak to my heart, speak to me through his word, maybe lead me in the direction for my next lesson or uh, series or or or. Or, or sermon, whatever it could be, and I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of just sitting there thinking upon him, thinking upon his word, uh, praying quiet, just listening for his still, small voice. And so here's our, these are five steps that I go through. Every time I try to pray, I try to go through these five steps. That way I, I'm, 
I, I'm, I'm consistently knowing where I'm going. I'm trying, there's an end in mind while I'm praying. Uh, that way I'm not getting, you know, because you can just kind of go here and there and say, Lord, I love you today. Oh, Lord, touch this person. Lord, forgive me of this and go through this. And you're, there, and you're just here and there and everywhere. But if you'll be consistent and follow these five steps, I believe this will help you have more focused prayer. And as a man of God, you are developing this consistent discipline of praying, uh, to being a person of prayer because your people need it. Uh, you need it. Uh, your city needs it. We need men of prayer. We need, uh, we need on-fire men of God who've spent time in God's presence, not just spending time studying, but people that are praying, praying for their people. Lord, help me this week. Lord, touch me this week. Touch our people this week. Lord, give us revival. Give us souls. And so I hope that this discipline of prayer will begin to develop in your life that you too can become a man of prayer. Thanks for tuning in to the Cut It Straight podcast. For more information and episodes, go to nswhitley.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Cut It Straight podcast on iTunes. Go to Facebook and search for N.S. Whitley and like and share my page. And follow me on Twitter at N.S. Whitley.